uh, we're going to do something different. I want to introduce a, uh, a Teresa Sprague, and she's going to come give a brief testimony. And uh, most of you know Teresa. Um, she and her family normally attend the first service, so she may be unfamiliar to some of the second service people, regulars. But uh, I've known Teresa for, what, about 10 years now. And uh, um, Teresa is a, uh, last year, beginning of last year, she was a single mom with two kids. And last year she picked up five foster kids and adopted them in November. So now she's a single mom with seven kids. And so uh, um, that's, a, that's an exciting adventure and an interesting challenge. And uh, she called me um, uh, before Christmas. It was a little over a month ago. And she said some things to me about the church. She said some things to me about her friend, Teresa McKessie. And she said some things to me about just how, how, um, how it's been for her. And at the end of our conversation, I said, uh, Teresa, uh, thank you for calling me and telling me these things. It seems to me like this might be a blessing to our congregation to hear what you had to say. Would you be willing to stand in front of the church and kind of tell them what you told me? And uh, I'm not sure I can do the impression exactly right, but I think her answer was, uh, okay. Uh, it was kind of like that. Uh, yeah, she, so, so pray for her. I don't think she's an eager public speaker, but, uh, but she's willing. God bless her. And so, uh, Teresa, would you come tell us a little of your story, please? I'm kind of the one in the back of the crowd always, not in the front, so that's why. <laughs> um, I wanted to thank everybody, everybody in this church, for being just such a wonderful family. My family wasn't very close, and you guys have been the best family that I could ever, ever wish for. Anytime... I need anything it seems like everyone is there for me and not negative or anything just there even adopting five more kids being single I didn't hear what are you doing you're crazy what it was if this is what you feel you need to do then go and do it um, I wanted to tell you a little bit uh, about the kids and how we came to know the kids um, about a year ago in August, I was working with my daughter's fifth grade teacher. And um, <clears throat> we were working one day, and she said, I'm really upset. I have children that go to my church every week, and uh, they're in a, in a group home. And they're getting ready to take these children out of the group home and send them into a different county and split them up. And this is five children that have been together for their whole life, but for five years had been in a shelter. But because they couldn't find somebody, they were going to split them up. And so I felt real heavy in my heart, and I went to Courtney and Caleb that night, and I asked them, I said, how would you feel about having some more brothers and sisters? And, of course, they were, oh, this is going to be so much fun, so exciting, brothers and sisters. We get to have so much fun together. And then... Um, I didn't do anything right then and there, but the next week I was working with my friend again, and she said, they're doing it this weekend. They're going to take them this weekend, and they're going to be split up. And I said, no, they're not. Give me the phone number. I'm calling. So I called the shelter, and I said, I'm really interested of com to come and meet these children. My son and daughter would like to come and meet with them with me. And we came, and we met them, and we just fell in love with them. And it was kind of neat because... Erica, my little eight-year-old, when we got to the shelter, they didn't know us. They didn't know who we were. We had just walked in the door, me, Courtney, and Caleb, and she walked up to a staff member and said, they're here to adopt us. She knew. She knew. 
Um, God has just been so gracious in this adventure. <laughs> and I, that's why I know it's what God wanted me to do, because it took a year to get processes done, to even have them move in the house. And I prayed long and hard to ask God, is this really what you want me to do? If not, please put up a brick wall. I don't want to make a mistake. I want this to be what you want to have happen. And uh, they moved in the house November, uh, August 16th. Went to school August 20th. <laughs> so it was quite quick. And then uh, became adopted November 20th. But through this whole thing, so many things have happened. And this church has been a wonderful church, like, grabbing a hold of us. I mean, yesterday we had so many people come out and work on the house and work with the kids and um, do some extra things for us. And uh, But before that, we've had, you guys have just always been there, just 24-7 been with our family, even when it was just me and Courtney and Caleb. And... Um, Sandra helps babysit when I call her and say, can you please help me? And she'll take them. Teresa McKessie, I don't know if you guys know, every Thursday actually drops off produce at our house to help us. So we have so many people just grabbing onto us and loving us. And I just wanted to thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing for us. Raise your hand if you've been here when we've done a baby dedication in the past. Okay, so the verses I'm going to read today are familiar to you. We, we did it for uh, Lilacoy Porter and for um, Morgan uh, Gaines and uh, for, oh, I forgot some pictures, uh, for uh, Ethan Mirabal. But uh, these are some photos. Uh, Gene and I, when we're talking about this group of uh, people from our church, we, we kind of re collectively refer to you as the Habitat Kids because uh, they started off working for Habitat, I think, some of them. And uh, there's a group of people in their 20s that uh, uh, I, I have, I've lost count, but several times over the last year have gone out to work at people's homes uh, on, a, on a variety of different projects. Uh, Dave often captains that group. I've seen him uh, take an assignment and kind of see it through to the end a few different times, recruiting a bunch of different workers. But I've seen Jason and Caitlin out there a few times, and I've seen Lauren and David a few times uh, and uh, just so you know, I feel a little bit like a politician showing up just when the camera's around. I'm usually not with them, um, but, but I, I was yesterday. And so uh, uh, Rick came and got some photos of the group. Uh, if you could see the work that's happening there, there's a, a garage. What used to be a garage now is a very small garage, and two, uh, it's, it's being moved into two bedrooms or changed into two bedrooms. So there's framing that's going up, there's drywall that's going to go up and there's a lot of painting that we put on a coat of primer yesterday and so it'll be, there'll be more painting and then a lot of finished car carpentry and then inside the house there's a, a, a playroom that uh, Lauren and Caitlin uh, painted yesterday that's the ye the yellow room with the drywall leaning against it and then um, you know, there was a lot of other stuff happening inside the house uh, Rebecca was there looking after the kids yesterday too so uh, Anyway, we had a good time yesterday, and I just want you guys who are doing that stuff to know I'm proud of you. I think this is, I mean, this is, this is Bible stuff. This is, this is, you know, reading the Bible and doing what it says, and not just, you know, reading the Bible and telling other people what to do. <laughs> so, which is kind of what churches are known for. Uh, but, uh, but I'm really proud of you guys doing this stuff. So, um, 
I mentioned the baby dedication. The verses I'm going to read are familiar to most of you. Uh, anytime we've done a baby dedication, I've read the same verses, and I'll read the same one, uh, some of the same ones today. But this is a, there's a twist here. Uh, Teresa talked with me after her family grew and said, you know, I'd like to dedicate my kids. In fact, my older kids, my original kids haven't been through this either. And, uh, and I want to do this with, with my family, with my kids. And I said, well, that's cool. Uh, it's a little different because now they're old enough to talk back, and we'll include them and, and give them an interactive part of the service. But at whatever age, you can make this, you can make this kind of commitment. And I want to encourage you who, who are parents but are, you know, aren't the ones involved today, um, these verses are for you. And if you're not parents yet, but you expect you will be one day, these verses are for you. Uh, so just like you know, when you go to a wedding, don't you kind of listen to the vows and ask yourself, you know, if you're married folks, how you've done, how you're doing at upholding your vows, or, or, or uh, it's an opportunity to kind of examine and reaffirm the commitments we've made to our own spouses. Well, same deal for parents. Uh, these verses today, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you're doing. And, and for you who don't have kids yet, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to impress these on your heart so when it's your turn, you'll be ready. Uh, let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd help that to happen for every member of this congregation. Lord, I specifically lift up Teresa to you and, uh, and her children and her extended family. Lord, we ask for your blessing and your provision and your direction. Lord, help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> So Psalm 127.3 says this, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That ought to be a comforting promise. So often it seems like in our lives we stumble through lives, victims of almost random happenstance, but that's absolutely not true. The Bible says that God knew you and made plans for you before you even appeared on the scene. Mark uh, chapter 10 shows us the attitude of Jesus towards children. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And uh, I, I want to mention as a church, we feel like that it's important that we make a space for the children and that we teach them well and that we... Um, you know, sometimes a church can become so family friendly it's not adult friendly anymore, and we 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 want to we try not to do that. Uh, we recognize that that uh, the most of the teaching, or oftentimes the teaching I would do, wouldn't be all that appealing to young kids. But we have an excellent staff of Sunday school teachers, and I just want to you know, brag on them again. You've heard me say it the last few times, or a few times over the last couple months. Uh, Samantha's now uh, coordinating our nursery, and if you'd like to help her, you know, get in touch with her, or let me know. I'll pass your name on to her. Uh, and about a year ago, I tried to recruit four Sunday school teachers to take the classes and pretty much hold them, and they've, they've done an excellent job with them. Uh, first service, the younger kids are taught by Sarah DiPietro Smith. Um, I, uh, I called her Sarah DiPietro in the first service, and Jared, Jared let me know uh, uh, <laughs> that I wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't getting that quite right. And the older kids are taught by uh, Ann Straub, and then at the uh, second service, the younger kids are taught by Kathy Higley and the older kids by Maria McKessie, the homecoming queen. Um, so, uh, the, uh, and, and they're taught excellently. Uh, a year ago, it was kind of an experiment to go with semi-permanent teachers. They can get out, but, but 
you know, we, we don't want them to get out. Uh, and, uh, and it's worked out. It's, I think it's better for the church. It's better for the kid. And I think it's better for the teacher. The teachers seem to be having a good time teaching their kids um, with, with some routine week in and week out. And so we want to be, we got to take care of our kids. We have an obligation to teach them right. We have an obligation to train them in the way they should go. We, do, we have as parents and I think also as a church. Deuteronomy 6, I'm sorry, Proverbs 22.6 has a nice promise for parents. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, when oftentimes parents are going through that rough sort of middle stage, and I, and I, I have to tell them I haven't noticed a lot of nice promises about in between young and old for parents. Uh, maybe they're there in the Bible, I just haven't found them yet. But they tell you, parents, if you do this when your kids are young, this is what you'll see when your kids are old. And, and those promises, I think, are promises we can rely on. And then Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 4, I think you might recognize from the back of your bulletin. When they asked Jesus what's the greatest commandment, he quoted Deuteronomy 6. And here's what he said, or here's what Moses said in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then notice what he says to parents, uh, the very next verse. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, I like what it says about teaching your children there. And it reminded me of an experience I had when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. And um, it was a home that was characterized at least once a year by guilt over not having a family yeah. devotion. Uh, have, you, have you heard this? Have you gone to church where somebody said, you ought to be sitting down with your kids and having a devotion with them, sitting around in a circle and doing a Bible study? I think that's a real cool idea. Um, but I, I want to try to relieve some of the guilt if you've tried that and have trouble keeping it steady. Um, this was a, a, a family tradition in my house. My, usually around January or maybe some evangelists would come to town and, and, and my, my dad would feel guilty about not doing it better. He'd say, now, this is the time, kids. We're going we're gonna to start doing our family devotion. And my brothers and I would do our little passive-aggressive thing where we'd do what we could to resist it without openly defying him, except Drew, he would openly defy. But uh, most of us would just, you know, all right, we'll do this. And, and then ho hoping that he would get over it in a couple weeks, and he usually did. And so then, then we didn't have to keep going. And so when I became an adult and had kids of my own and tried to, 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 to train them in, in, in the biblical ways, I kind of fell into the same cycle of guilt over not doing that regularly. Um, and I guess I want to say, if you've been able to do that regularly and successfully, God bless you. I think that's a wonderful thing. But if you haven't, ease off on the guilt. Because what Moses is saying here is look for teachable moments and train them as you go. Let's take a look. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Uh, Gene and I, at one point in our lives, had this kind of cool deal where all four Demings commuted to the same school for work and school. And we had a 30-minute drive to get there. And so that was kind of a perfect time for that season where we'd do a devotion in the car on the way to work. And then Gina would go to her class, I'd go to my class, and our kids would go to their classes, and we were all there together. And so that was kind of cool. But most of the seasons of their lives, it was kind of challenging. It seems like it should be easier, but it wasn't for us, and I bet it's not any easier for you to get all the family together and say, let's do the devotion now. If you can do that, that's cool. But the point is, Whenever you have a teachable moment, let's teach them God's standards. That's the deal. It's not like guilt for not doing it the way you've seen it done or not doing it the way your grandparents did it. Do it the way you can when you can. 
your kids will give you plenty of moments to teach them. Let's teach them, let's teach them God's standards when we get those chances. Now, a couple quick book reviews. I've read a, a, a several books about parenting. Uh, one I don't have with me, I, I'll just mention quickly, is by James Dobson called uh, Hide or Seek. And the cool thing about that book is it, it talks about some of the wrong standards of the world where kids feel like they've got to be brilliant or beautiful to get accepted. But rather, you can't change the world. It, he offered some techniques for how to help your kid cope in that world. You can't shrilly denounce everybody's standards and like, you know, quit judging my kid according to their intelligence and their looks. They're, they're not going to quit. But how do you give your kid a chance to cope in the middle of that? That's really the strategies that this book offered. And I thought we read that when our kids were young. thought it was pretty cool. I got a couple others to show you. A few years ago, early in the history of our church, we did a, a parenting class using this book by the Rainies, Dennis and Barbara Rainey. And I can give you sort of a 30-second or two-minute evaluation of this book. I'll give you the highlights of it. It's a workbook, and I think we've got some extra copies. You're, you're welcome to use it if you'd like. But what they said was that when parents want to give their kids a chance for success, there are really two sort of uh, standards or axes of parenting that you need that you can be measured on. One, it would be parents could be very permissive or parents could be very strict and very harsh. And at either end, you got some problems. You know, there's, you could be so permissive you're neglectful or you could be so harsh you're, le- you're strict, you're legalistic. These were kind of conservative writers, so they tended away from the permissive side and more towards the you know, careful standards. But what they said was there's a wide range of possibility along that line where your kids will still still turn out okay. But there's another scale, another measuring rod, where they said you better not get this one wrong or you're going to hurt your kids for a lifetime. And they said the other axis is acceptance or rejection. And they said if, if you don't communicate loving acceptance to your kids and instead, for whatever reason, they feel from you rejection, They'll spend the rest of their lives making up for that. If you get that one right, if you, if you communicate loving acceptance to your kids, there's a wide range along the other axis of you know, permissive or strict that'll be okay, and they'll, work, they'll turn out <laughs> all right. Uh, they won't need counseling to overcome their parenting when, the, when they get to be adults. And I thought that was, that was sort of the highlight of that book, and I thought that was pretty interesting. The other book I want to uh, just mention is this one. I borrowed it from Ann Straub a couple years ago, and I think I'm going to give it back after today's service. So uh, thank you very much, Ann. I, I finished it fast. It was a fascinating book. And just so you know, not at all a Christian book. In fact, if you, there are a couple chapters that have really disturbing conclusions. Some of the chapters are just hilarious to me, but it's not at all boring. And some of the, you think, what does an economist have to do with all these, with parenting issues? A few of his chapters were about parenting and fascinating in his conclusions. Uh, the, the, the one about baby names was very funny to me. But the thing I wanted to point out was they did this measure they, of what we can do as parents to give our kids the best chance for success. And they measured that some arbitrary way, like you know, can they finish college by the time they're 25 or something like that. I can't remember what their standard was there. But they tried to identify the 10 things that we can do as parents that would be most helpful. And I can't quote the 10 things to you, but I was surprised at some of the things that were not on the list as compared with some of the things that weren't on the list. A lot of things we think are very important, they found to be statistically insignificant. And a lot of things we wouldn't have thought of seem to matter more. Like, here's one, reading to your kids. Now, we're all for that. Conventional wisdom says, yeah, you got to read to them. They found that not to be a a big deal, that, that it didn't really affect them much. 
On the other hand, having a lot of books in your house did seem to help the kids. Taking them to museums, I'd be all for that, right? They found no real relation uh, to that. It turns out that when they got to the end of the list, most of the things that were on the list are the things that parents do to help their kids the most aren't the things that we do, but who we are. And in fact, seven of the, ten, the top 10 things we can do to help our ch kids have a chance to succeed occur before they're born. Did you catch that? To me, that's huge. I mean, when we did the marriage series last, last fall, I tried to make the point over and over again to single people, you can start laying the foundation for being a good husband to your wife before you even meet her, years before you know who she is, and vice versa. Well, it's the, the same is true of children. You can, you can lay the foundation for being a good father or mother to your kids long before they arrive on the scene. And in fact, seven of the 10 best things you can do for them, you'll, you'll need to do before they're born. And so that's uh, kind of an interesting thing. And a, a book I would recommend for its interest, I think you'll find some of, the, some of it disturbing, some of it interesting, but, uh, but uh, I, I found the book to be very enjoyable ultimately. Now, here's what's different about this service. When I've done this in the past, I've had babies up here. But now we've got kids who are old enough to respond, old enough to talk back. And so kids, we've talked about what parents ought to do. But now uh, for you kids, Courtney and Caleb and uh, Tiana and Danny and Erica and John and Kathy Ann, here's what the Bible says to you about how you should respond to parents. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, that's, that's to me kind of a shocking promise. It's, there aren't very many places in the Bible where you can find, do this and you'll live longer. But that's exactly what this says. Uh, and, of course, the flip side is don't do this and you won't live as long, which seems like kind of a scary warning. So uh, honor your parents. Uh, the Bible's plain on that. And now... I want to speak to your names. And again, a little unusual. Two of you got your names from, uh, from Teresa, but five of you already had your names when she met you. Um, yet God knew your name. And sociologists and psychologists have determined that a child's name will affect not only their personality, but the way other people respond to them. In ancient Israel, the names were all important. How many times have you read in the Old Testament somebody's name and then immediately after the meaning, or sometimes God would change a person's name after he changed their heart when he changed their destiny. So uh, some of you have really cool names that you need to grow into. Some of you have names where you kind of need to create the meaning for them. And so uh, let's have a look at what your names mean. Courtney is an old English word that means from the court, like the royal court, which means that you're, you're from a royal family, which theologically speaking is absolutely true. Caleb, Caleb, I know you've heard this story before. There were 12 spies that went to spy out the promised land to see if the Israelites could take it. And 10 of them were wimpy and scared because they were giants. And two of them were bold and brave and trusted God and said, let's go take the land. God said, it's ours. Let's go take it. Now, uh, one of those brave spies, bold spies, was Joshua, and the other was who? That's right. That's where your name comes from. It means bold. Tiana uh, is the only name on this list that's an American name. And... Uh, I couldn't find a, a, an exact definition. There's an old English word that's similar to that that means river. But uh, I think maybe, Tiana, you have a cool opportunity. Uh, when Queen Victoria was queen, Victoria, the word meant something, 
But it means something totally different now. If you use the word Victorian, it means like her. And, and it means a high standard for righteousness. And so years from now, when people refer perhaps to the age of Tiana, uh, or use Tiana as an adjective, like, like that's so Tiana of you. Um, what, what is that going to mean? And here's the, here's the opportunity for you. It's up to you to define that, that name. And years from now, there's a possibility that people will be naming their kids Tiana because they want them to be more like you. So, uh, so I, don't know, I realize that's kind of a scary opportunity, but it's an opportunity. Danny, uh, uh, three, I think three of these names at the end are Hebrew names. Danny is a Hebrew name that means God is my judge. So Danny, whatever you hear from anybody else, you know, always remember, it's God who measures you. And Erica is a Norse name that means eternal ruler. Well, that's kind of a cool thing. I guess uh, we all need to get used to you being the leader of the pack. John, another Hebrew name that means God is gracious. All the time, John. Yeah, no matter what's going on, remember that. You can take that to the bank. God is gracious all the time. <laughs> and Kathy, uh, your name means pure. You did a little Stevie Wonder impression there. I like that. Uh, uh, with the hair and the glasses, it's perfect. But your name means pure. And so uh, you know, may it ever be. So now it's time for the interactive part. We're going to take some vows. Like in a marriage ceremony, only two people get to take vows. Uh, at, a, at a family dedication or a baby dedication, everybody in the room gets to respond. So at some point, I hope all of you will say yes to this. I'm going to start with Teresa. Teresa, do you accept these children as gifts from God, and do you commit to love them and pray for them and train them according to the standards of the Bible? And then uh, uh, her dad, Richard, was here at the first service, and I asked the same thing for the extended family. But now I'm going to speak to the congregation. Yet as a church family, we have a different level of training. You guys don't, don't get to pick their clothes or decide what school they go to. Yet you are involved in their training. Uh, you might get a chance to keep them from running out into the road sometime. Some of you will get to teach them in Sunday school. More of you will get to teach them by example. Uh, some of you married couples will get to show them what a marriage should look like. Uh, some you parents can show them uh, parental love. And so uh, I'm going to ask the church the same question. Do you receive these children as gifts from God, and do you commit to love them and pray for them and train them according to the standards of the Bible? Okay. And kids, now it's back to you. This is your time. Remember Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So I'm going to ask you now, Courtney and Caleb and Tiana and Danny and Erica and John and Kathy, do you receive your mom as a gift from God? Yes. <laughs> and do you commit to love her and to pray for her and to obey her according to the standards of the Bible? Good answer. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for these children. And Lord, we ask that you, would, uh, that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would provide them your tender care. Um, and Lord, lift up Teresa to you. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless her, uh, that you would make provision for her financially and spiritually and emotionally and physically. And Lord, that you would be her strength uh, when it's difficult. And Lord, I ask for all the parents in the room and the parents-to-be that uh, we'll commit before you uh, to love our kids as you've called us to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.